stopped and thought about how powerful and wonderful the name of Jesus is. I mean, for that matter, when's the time you've actually kind of thought about what does the name Jesus even mean? Well, the name Jesus, whenever you just translate that name, you know, all, all names pretty much have meaning. And, and the name Jesus, it means the Lord is salvation. And that is that is so fitting for exactly who Jesus was and what he did whenever he was here uh, on, on this earth. Because he does show us what the Lord bringing salvation is, that the Lord is our salvation, because Jesus Christ made a way for each and every single one of us to be saved. So as we look and think about the name of Jesus and how wonderful, powerful, and the meaning behind that name I want us to also see the connection with the name of God and the importance of the name of God throughout both Testaments. Let's take a look starting in the Old Testament. Psalm 8, the entire psalm, it reads like this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wind, I'm sorry, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, this whole psalm, it begins and it ends with how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then it gives reason after reason at how majestic the name of God is. 
Specifically, we see it connected with uh, this glory that is mentioned. And glory is kind of something that we've looked at uh, um, the, the past few weeks as well. And seeing about the glory of Jesus and that connection of what it means to see the glory of God. What it means to see the glory of Jesus. And how do we see the glory of God here that's found in this psalm? You see it through, well, what's described as the work of your fingers in verse 3. You know, all of this creation. Now, the, the works of the fingers of God, it includes, you know, the heavens and everything around it, all the, the, the inhabitants of it. And, and I guess to kind of borrow another phrase, that our Lord is, is the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything that is within them or that inhabits them. All things in heaven, on earth, and the sea, all of those things, they give glory to God. They show God's glory. They praise and teach us how majestic is the name of God throughout the entire uh, world, or, you know, as we would say it today, universe. They didn't use the term universe there because they just had different ways of saying it. Um, the, the idea of universe wasn't really around whenever Psalm 8 was, was written. But now we would communicate that as throughout, you know, the entire universe. The Bible does talk about how our God has made everything that is seen and everything that is unseen, and it goes into great detail mentioning all of these things. And we look at what God has done, and we see kind of in the middle of this psalm something that is so powerful for us as human beings to, to take to heart. You know, as we start this new year, I hope that we will uh, think about how powerful the name of God is, and that we will think about how we actually share in the name of God. You know that because we call ourselves Christians, that means that you are like Christ. I mean, that, that's that's the whole purpose of being a Christian. So whenever we, we call ourselves Christians, or maybe put over um, you know, our, our church, we, we are called the Church of Christ. We are bearing the name of Christ. We are bearing the name of Jesus whenever we, um, just, whenever we do those things. And here in the midst of this, it speaks about human beings. And it asks the wonderful question in verse 4, you know, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? And then he describes that, yes, humans have been made lower than the angels, but yet we have been crowned with this glory and this honor. What does that mean? When you go back to the very first few pages of the Bible, you'll see that God always intended for humans to rule with him. Because, you know, even Adam and Eve, they were told to, to rule over, you know, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all of creation. They were told to rule over those things. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, God um, it just kind of wants everything to, uh, to be ruled entirely by us. He always wanted um, us to rule with him, to, to have this kind of uh, relationship with him. And here we see that, you know, we have also, as human beings, have been crowned with this glory and this honor, and we have become rulers, and we have, you know, the, the world has been kind of placed, you know, under us, so to speak. However, what do we do about that? You know, it doesn't take you very many generations from the very first few pages of the Bible to realize that we, as humans, have messed that up. We don't do a very good job of being the ones in charge. That's why it was never supposed to be just us. It was always supposed to be us with God. And here, the psalm kind of, it, it speaks about that. And we're going to kind of revisit that also as, as we continue to look at this name of God. And it begins and it ends with this phrase, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We are what we are because of God's glory, because of God's greatness.
And this Psalm 8, of course, is not the only time that the name of God is, is mentioned and the importance of the name of God. We see it time and time again throughout uh, the, the Testaments. Another passage from the Old Testament, this time from the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 6. Uh, this is how Aaron and his sons were supposed to uh, bless the Israelites right here, and it's a very particular blessing. And notice the connection with this blessing and the name of the Lord. Numbers 6, 22 through 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Here, this passage kind of reminds us that God's identity, his name, also gives Israel their identity, gives Israel their name, so to speak. Even in the, even in the, uh, the name Israel, um, God's name is within that name as well. But God's identification, it gives, it gives Israel their own identification, their sense of being, their sense of purpose, their sense of blessing here in this case. And this is how they were called to be blessed. And it's my understanding that even among uh, the Israelites or the Jewish communities today, they are still pronouncing this blessing over the Israelites because the name of the Lord is so powerful. The name of the Lord is so wonderful because this blessing is how God has said that he is going to put his name on the Israelites and he is going to bless them. Now, as we turn to the page of the New Testament, we learn even more about this name of God. In the New Testament, we certainly uh, do see that um, yes, we see even more about the name of God. We see that God does have a uh, human name, so to speak. That is Jesus. That is the Lord is salvation. That is what the name of Jesus means. And here in Galatians 4, uh, Paul kind of summarized uh, the, the point of Jesus and what he was doing. And uh, we are told here in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his sons, uh, son, spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. See, this passage speaks about the Lord being our heavenly father, specifically um, our Abba, Father, as verse 6 says. That this is how we can have that type of close relationship. Now, I don't know exactly what you've heard, uh, perhaps in, in times past before, of, of what the term Abba means. But it is a close uh, connection to the name of you know calling God that type of your father. It would be this close relationship. It's not something that you do to a stranger, most certainly. It would be a close, intimate relationship that we are allowed to have with our Heavenly Father with our Lord. And the reason why we can do that is because we're no longer just, you know, we're no longer a slave like verse 7 says. We are God's child. And because of that, we are also an heir. God has done all of these things. How has he done these to us? By sending his son, Jesus, born at the exactly right time to be able to give us adoption so that we can be called sons of God, or daughters of God, of course, children of God. God allows the, this type of relationship, and the Lord is called our Father, our close uh, Father that we can lean on, 
that we can trust, that we can have a wonderful relationship with. We are a child of God. This is closely wrapped up to what we've been looking at since the very beginning, that we are what we are because of God's glory. And God's identification gives Israel their own identification, their own sense of meaning. And now we see that the Lord is our own Father. And there's still one final passage that I want us to see, again from the writings of Paul, this time from the book of Philippians. This is probably one of my my favorite passages in the scriptures. And I can't even say it's necessarily the whole chapter, but this is um, one of my favorite passages because I believe it is so relevant to us and so so meaningful that, that we really need to pay close attention to it. It teaches us so much about Jesus and ultimately it teaches us a lot about ourselves and what we are called to do. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, we read, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In this passage, we learn so much about this name of Jesus that is described. This name that Jesus was given, for starters, we see the role that Jesus fulfilled by, yes, he was God, but I love the way verse 6 puts it, that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't do that. He he didn't kind of, you know, throughout life, he didn't say, oh, well, I'm God, so I need to be respected. That's not really the type of relationship that he had with people around him. And we are called to have the same type of relationship with one another, the same type of mindset like what Christ Jesus had. So if he didn't kind of use that as, oh, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm God in the flesh, so, you know, you've got to, you know, do this, that, and the other. Since he didn't respond like that, it doesn't make sense for us to think that we need to respond like that either. We need to have the same mindset that Jesus Christ had. He was a servant. He became a human being. He became one of us, even though, you know, at first he's, he's not the same because he's God, but yet he became the same. He humbled himself. He humbled himself so much that verse 8 tells us that he became obedient to the point of death. And not any death, but the death on the cross. Because of that type of obedience, because of that type of humility, by the way, all of which we are called to, well, do the same thing, have the same mindset. Verse 9, that, that, by the way, that doesn't mean that we have to, to die on a cross. It just means we have to be obedient like that. We have to be humble like that. We are called to be humble like that. We are called to be obedient like that. And verse 9 tells us that because Jesus himself humbled himself like that, because he was obedient like that, verse 9 tells us that God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus constantly, whenever he was preaching and teaching, spoke about the last being the first and the first being last and all these kind of confusing phrases. And here we kind of get it. We see that because he humbled himself and he made himself low, God raised him up. God raised him up and gave him this name, the name of Jesus, so that at the name of Jesus, verse 10, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
I would encourage you to recognize we can do this right here and now. We can bow our knee. We can uh, confess or acknowledge with our tongue that Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our master. He is uh, you know, our, our ruler. He is the one who has taught us what it means to be human. And we are called to have the same mindset, the same attitude with one another, just like what Jesus Christ had with us. If Jesus showed us this way, it's up to us now to take action on our own part because we have been called to follow Jesus's example. I'll remind you again, we call ourselves Christians. We might put above our church, I know that our church, we, we are called the South Edmonton Church of Christ. We bear the name of Christ. We better act like Christ. That's what we are called to do. This wonderful name is not something to be ashamed of. We should not be ashamed of the name Jesus Christ. He is our Christ. He is the anointed one. His name, it means the Lord is salvation. We come to him for salvation. But when we come for him, when we come to him for salvation, we find out that he offers so much more than just salvation like what we thought of at first. Yes, you can come to Jesus and your sins can be forgiven. But he invites you into a whole new way of life. We're called to live it. Let's have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Lord, shine through me.